0: Welcome to episode 279. Sometimes you have to clean out the junk drawer before it will ever close again. Four questions to protect yourself from heart level leadership failure. That's today on the Reclaim Leader. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 279 of The Reclaim Leader. I'm Jason Tucker, back again with Jesse Skiffington. Jesse, how's it going today?
1: Doing well, Jason. You know, before we hit record, we were just talking about in the lead up, we got Easter right around the corner, and I think we're close to real time as we're recording this. And so I know all of that's on all of our radar, and there's just a lot that goes into this time of the year. But really, if we're honest, we've gotten back to a point in a lot of our churches where I don't know that there's going to be a downtime again. Like I just feels like (laughs) we're in go mode. How about for you?
0: Yeah, it's the same. You know, it used to be that the church, the rhythm of the church year felt very seasonal. Doesn't feel seasonal anymore. It's like a season or like the fashion season. Seasons are every two weeks, not every you know every couple of months. So
1: well, and there's always something. Yeah, there's something special going on in each season. They're all unique or whatever, but we got a lot going on. And in the middle of that, I think as we begin to work really hard and the, the pieces are moving really fast and we're we're running pretty hard, I think sometimes we uh, forget some of the fundamentals of leadership. And that's what our podcast uh, episode today is about. Just getting back to Uh, A really basic, important facet of leadership, which has to do with our hearts. So we're calling this conversation Four Questions to Protect Yourself from Heart-Level Leadership Failure. Uh, we want to be thoughtful about what's going on inside of our hearts and uh, dealing with some of that so that we don't end up in one of those character fail moments that we see uh, splashed over the news. And maybe ours wouldn't be splashed all over the news because we're not famous or something, but we can easily fall into those things. And um, I think I would call character failures that uh, define it maybe as heart level failures that show up in real life. they're not planned events it's not something that we go you know what i think i'll have a character fail today it's something that happens over the course of the of time when we stop paying attention to what's going on on the inside when we stop asking questions about our hearts or we stop investing in practices uh, that guard against the usual suspects i don't know when you think of the usual suspects of character failures i don't know what comes to mind for you but Kind of the the stereotypical ones of greed or sexual temptation or just plain dishonesty and not telling the truth about how things are going or maybe abuses of power. Those things none of us plan for that. But my uh, as we're going to talk today, if we're not asking questions about our hearts, we can end up there uh, and uh, kind of just kind of slide toward that. So um, that's where we're going. Not that I don't know, Jason. Is that the most cheerful topic in the world? I, I think it's <laughs> well, important.
0: I think there can actually be a lot of encouragement and hope in this topic. I do think for me, the reason why this issue is so important is that when I get in, into this crazy busy mode that I'm in at the moment, it's, I get physically tired. And when I get physically tired, I become a little bit of a spiritual idiot if I'm not careful, Yeah, because you know, as my body goes, so does my spirit. And it's sort of like the idea that I, I don't, you don't just accidentally drift into health. Yeah. That's just not how it works. I got to still wake up one day and be like, oh man, I caught myself so tired. I caught myself eating a kale salad <laughs> That's and right. working out. I mean, it's just, yeah. I don't know how it happened. It was great. Yep. But it's true with our, with ourselves, with our spirits, with our leadership, that if we're not intentional about it, we're not going to be healthy. And that will have a ripple effect on Absolutely. everything we touch, including our yep. own lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jesus said it this way. He said, out of the good stored up in a man's heart, good things will come. Out of the evil stored up in a person's heart, the evil will come. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, the heart is, is crucial. And I think it was maybe Andy Stanley or someone like that that said, what's on the inside will eventually show up on the outside. So we got to pay attention to what's going on in our hearts and, uh, how we're doing on the inside, because that's going to impact what comes out? And it might not come right away. It might be down the road, but eventually it will. And so um we want to ask these four questions. And um, there's probably different ones you could ask. But here's four questions that I think can help us just how do we protect ourselves from heart level leadership failure? And uh, the first one actually has to do with systems and procedures that we would have in place. And I think probably... If you're part of a denominational church, some of these things are built in for you. You were trained in them. And I think we actually are set up for success here. So the first one is is this. Do I have oversight and accountability built into the system to guard against the usual suspects of heart level leadership failure? Do I have policies and procedures, open door policies, transparency related to finances? Uh, do I have a group of people who are, are, are helping us think about power dynamics and, and leadership and all those kinds of things? And I don't know, Jason, I think in our systems, we kind of uh, sometimes overprotect against those things maybe. But we certainly have policies and procedures that are there uh, and, and that if we follow them can actually set us up for success when it comes to somebody just noticing and saying, hey, this is not OK. Or we get out ahead of what could become, if we're not careful, an issue.
0: Yeah, I think n- not it's not often that I can say presbyterians have an advantage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but by just by the way that we are structured, it's there are a lot of guardrails in place yeah. to prevent pastors actually to protect them from themselves and that is to make sure that there is oversight and guidance and more heads are better than one. Although I will say those are for like like the big things, like, are you going to, are you taking money from the church? Or are you totally. doing this yep. right? But I think in the everyday day-to-day life, oddly enough, it does little to nothing to help be a guardrail and that, that's why I, I find that I need relationships of people that I yeah. trust, which yeah. is always the challenge when you're a pastor is how do you cultivate those kinds of relationships, A, in your crazy busy schedule and B, who yep. are you going to talk to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, and we're going to get to the idea of accountable community in one of our questions. I think that's a a very, it's it's one of the most important ones. And the polity that I have in my life right now, policies and procedures, I'm required to be in a pastor covenant group right now with other pastors that ask me questions about my heart. So I'll speak to that a little bit, but I think you can bake it into your policies. Do we have Uh, a a relational accountability system of some kind that where we get to ask our leaders how you're doing. So I think there's some basic things we should be doing for all of our teams and for ourselves. Things like sexual abuse prevention training, uh, those kinds of things where we're thinking and doing training on a regular basis. I mean, that's a policy and procedure where we learn things like uh, open door policies and making sure that we're doing best practices when it comes to the way that we Uh, Meet with people and spend time with people and those kinds of things. And um, I would say this sometimes, in my experience talking to to pastors and and church leaders, we have these things on paper, but they're not showing up in in real time. Um, I remember we had a transition a couple of years ago with our treasurer role, and we had a, a finance team that would count the offering at the end of the service, and it was always two people. That was the rule. Two people take it, they count it, they add it up, they each uh, you know, sign off on it and put it in a, a bank, a secure bank uh, envelope and, and then take it to the safe in the church office. And when that transition happened, we noticed after a, a couple of months that it had gone from two people counting the offering to just one uh, out of like, you know, somebody, you know, rotated off the team and we didn't replace that person. And, and it wasn't because we didn't trust the person counting the offering. I and mean, they're very trustworthy. They've been part of our church forever. But when there's only one person in a room dealing with the church's finances, we're creating an opportunity for not only temptation, but also accusation and distrust. So are, are we following through on the things that we have on paper, even for the big stuff that we would say, I would never you know, steal from the church. I would never, you know, fall into some sort of sexual temptation in a relationship with somebody I'm counseling. I would never, uh, you know, uh, tell a uh, lie about how things actually went in a meeting or something or I'd never abuse power. We all don't, none of us think in those terms that we're going to fall into those things, but those things are really there as a response to times when those failures happened. And so as much as we get kind of annoyed by policies and procedures and, and training around that stuff, they're there for a reason. So I think we're, we do well to ask, do we have those kinds of things in our life together that are articulated? And are we are we um, paying attention to our hearts through the lens of policies and procedures? I don't know. That's the very Presbyterian way to put it.
0: <laughs> but, but I think it just highlights the importance of that and why it's there and why it's needed. And just to make sure that you're paying attention to areas that maybe have grown a little lax in their oversight, you yeah. know, cause I mean, I, I nobody really loves oversight, no, but
1: it's not, it's not fun to get right. <laughs> uh, people looking over your shoulder or something. So I think the caveat there is hopefully these things are not restrictive. Like they should be there to protect us yeah. and to help us have healthy boundaries in, in, in a way that creates trust actually. We have healthy boundaries in place. Therefore, we can operate freely in an atmosphere of trust. And I think the other corresponding piece to that, because we know churches and church leaders fail and it gets – that's what shows up in the newspaper. It's not a good look and it's a bad witness, that it actually helps us to be above reproach when we say no. We actually have an abuse prevention training that all of our staff do. No, we actually do background checks for all of our volunteers. Now we actually have a team that separately apart from the pastors and church staff count the offering and deal with it. You're like, so I think it helps us to create an atmosphere of healthy boundaries and being above reproach and people go, Oh, yeah, you take these things seriously. So I think that so, can guard our hearts. It's not even, it's not even a possibility to go awry.
0: Yeah. So as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jay Warner Wallace uh, who we've had on the podcast said that there's only three reasons pastors fall or three reasons that people sin at all sex, money, and power. There you go. And right. And so how do we create some oversight around those things that help us just to make sure that we are not bumping against those guardrails yeah. and, um, and it really just to protect us. So I guess, Another way of framing it or recapping it is to say, if I want to guard against heart level leadership failure, one of the first questions I need to ask is, in my leadership, do I have the proper oversight, the right sized oversight to make yeah. sure that I'm staying in, in fair territory?
1: Yeah. And 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 as an extension, do we have that? And so I think those are like policies and procedures have to do with like the big usual suspects. I think these other questions we're going to ask have to do with what you were kind of moving towards with uh, the things that can start tweaking our hearts over time and leading towards resentment or just frustration and and, and what can come out of that. So the second question is uh, something along the lines of, do I have a personal strategy for responding to and dealing with criticism? Ooh. Do I have a way of dealing with? I got a strategy. Experience? All right. Yeah. I I got a strategy too. (laughs) You can take your criticism and you can, uh, right. Uh, so how do we do, how do we deal with criticism? Because leadership and criticism go together. They just do. If you are an effective leader, that's, that's working towards revitalization or change, or just having a healthy culture in which people will not always agree with the direction you're taking folks in criticism is going to be part of your experience. So what do you do with that? Because Uh, And I've experienced this at times where there's been a criticism that just starts to erode my heart. Like it starts at a heart level. It just I'm either getting resentful, frustrated, angry, hurt and then responding out of hurt. So I think it's one of those heart level things that we should kind of say, how how is this criticism impacting my heart? But also what's a healthy approach to criticism that can help me maybe uh, deal with it in in a better way? Um, I love yeah. that.
0: I love that first part of it because because it's a me issue before it's anything else. So when I receive criticism, the way that I respond to that reveals a lot about what's going on inside sure. of me. Yep. It's I once heard it a pastor preached it one time. It was such a great example. It stuck with me for this. Gosh, it has to be twenty five years ago. But it's like the junk drawer in your kitchen. Like everybody's got a junk drawer, and eventually that sucker gets so full you can't close it again. And so the only way to deal with it is you got to clean it all out and reorganize. And I feel like that's the same thing with our hearts. And what I notice, Mm -hmm. what's spilling out of me when someone criticizes me is an indicator, hey, you have some work to do, pal, right? So so there's the kind of me response. But then also some of the important things that we've talked about a lot is things like John Acuff, he said one time, you know, when you're leading change, trust data, not drama.
1: Yeah. yeah and I so think good. with
0: criticisms, it's so easy to fall into the drama.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. And to remember that that email probably represents a very small percentage of people that are.
1: Yeah. And it may have all. more to do with what's going on in their heart than your heart. Exactly. So their junk drawers. About the yeah. Frustration in their life and the junk drawer in their life. Right. So I think a healthy posture is something like considering the source. You know, if one of my trusted leaders and elder comes to me and has some criticism, even if it's hard, I got to go, you know, I, I need kind of need to take that seriously and, and and let's talk it through. But if someone comes to me and says, I really hate the change that you made, you're ruining our church. Everybody's saying that this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, then I say, well, who is everybody? And inevitably, the everybody is them and their one friend or them and their spouse or something or just themselves. Well, I, I don't want to name any names, but everybody, you know, so I think we have to consider the source, uh, the credibility of the source and that kind of thing and, and put it into proper perspective. And I think to be intellectually honest about criticism, it's never fun to receive criticism. But if we see it as an opportunity to one learn something about ourselves or about our organization or about our leadership and we can look at it and go, you know what? I don't agree with all of this, but there here is this one thing that I, I, yeah, I think that's legitimate and maybe I do need to work on that. I think that actually that kind of humility guards our hearts, protects our hearts from resentment and frustration. Uh, and then I, you and I have this practice. I don't know if you're still doing this or not, but, um, and maybe it was Carrie Newhoff way back in a book somewhere along the way or something. I said, uh, don't read anonymous, uh, criticism, like anonymous letters just go right into the circular file, the garbage can in our office, because you can't respond to them. You can't do anything about it. And it's just going to kind of kill your heart and and impact you. So, uh, we don't, we don't read anonymous, uh, content that comes in. In fact, and we haven't gotten much of it of late, but when we are in a high season of change, we would get anonymous letters written, big block letters about how we are ruining the church. (laughs) <laughs> and they're kind of funny. And so we sometimes would read them, but mostly we just got rid of them. I, I heard about one pastor who took an anonymous letter and put it on the communion table up front and said, is anybody going to sign this? Come forward wow. and sign it. And if not, tear it up, throw it away. We want to be able to to communicate with each other and criticism. So know what to do with it sometimes. And then I think a helpful approach too is to be comfortable enough in your own skin to listen first to not be defensive back, to not react to criticism, uh, to just uh, be, I think in terms of more of responsiveness rather than reactionary. And I think you're right though, when we get towards reactionary mode and we start firing off that email, we're getting ready to hit send, we need to go, you know what? What's going on with my heart right now? this I, I need to pump the brakes and, and take a moment. So ask yourself, do I have a personal strategy for responding to or dealing with criticism? I think that's a crucial part of protecting our hearts.
0: What sort of, what sort of failure comes out of not responding well to criticism? I think certainly burning bridges and damaging relationships inside and outside the church. I unfortunately have been guilty of both.
1: Yep. And I would say for me, the other heart level stuff that comes out that's not so great, doesn't reflect God's heart, is talking about that person behind their back, uh, saying unfair, uncharitable things about them to other people. Ah uh, complaining about them instead of going directly to them and and trying to work out something, and I think that actually has a credibility hit on our leadership with other people when they see us behaving uh, in a an unchristlike way by triangulating or doing the things that we would discourage others from doing. so that's for me if I'm not dealing with criticism, I don't have a personal strategy for it. My outlet is going to be to gripe to other people. Uh, to complain about their behind their back or just simply to stop liking them and distance myself from them and kind of cut them out of my life because I don't want to deal with them. Um, I don't want to have that confrontation or that conflict. So I do think it shows up in unhealthy ways that we might not see as like this colossal leadership failure or character failure, but it will erode our leadership credibility if we're not careful. And eventually it can really lead to lots of broken bridges that make getting traction and moving things forward really difficult.
0: Yeah. Good. Uh, What's the next question? Question three.
1: Question three. And you kind of touched on this one already, but uh, ask yourself, do I have accountable community? Another way to say that is who is asking me about my heart, how it's doing? Do I have someone that says, how's your heart, Jason? How's how's it going on the inside? Uh, What are you struggling with? where do you need me to pray for you? How can I encourage you? But having someone ask about our, how our hearts are doing as leaders, I think is crucially important. Um, and I, I mentioned that, you know one of the requirements in my policies and procedures in, in ECO, the denomination I'm connected to is we have to be part of a pastor covenant group. We're not allowed not to be. And so it's built in and there's a set of questions that we ask ourselves that have to do with what's going on inside of our hearts and how's how are things at home and how are we doing with our with our teams and our leadership and um how is our relationship with god right now are we feeling close or distant and we do that that on purpose the idea is hopefully we get out in front of things before they become blow up kinds of things and uh and and knowing that we're going to be asked about that i think causes us to be a little more reflective along the way as well
0: yeah, I think I think that's so good and so important and so hard sometimes to find. I think that's yeah. one of the challenges again that I that I had mentioned before about about finding your people to do that. I feel like but between you and I've got another pastor friend here not too far from me who I feel like I could be real with, be yeah. myself with and it's unusual, but I do have two friends who are members. Yeah, who we have the kind of relationship that I could actually t- talk to them like that, which is really rare. Yeah, and not something even that I was looking for. It just kind of happened as yeah. as we grew closer as friends. Yeah,
1: and I would say is you know we we're wise to really be careful with that one, right? Absolutely. Um, and and I'm I'm sure you've really thought through: is this the the right thing for for me here? And it, I would say it's less often that that's the case, right? More often that someone outside of the church that we can actually be honest about how our leadership in the church is doing. But it's awesome if it's something of both. I, I think you can have kind of some different layers. Like you and I, we might go all the way to like the core stuff. But we might have a couple of leaders in our church where we can talk about how we're feeling right now, how some of our frustrations or just some of the stresses. And I think that can be really good. So maybe, you know, you're not confessing your worst sin to everybody in the world, (laughs) right? right? That's, that's silly. Um, But if we can have a few people in our core circle, and I get it, that's hard to, to establish. It's hard to find. And, um, but I think it's something that we should be oriented toward and looking for it. And, and if we don't have it, say, God, help me to find people that will ask about my heart that I can trust to be confidential about my life, but also can help me see the blind spots. I, you remember when we did the whole jahari window thing and we had to point out each other's blind How spots? How could I forget? Them? Oh man, that was <laughs> excruciating, but didn't we learn a lot? And, yeah. and weren't we glad that you know, in the end, some people pointed some things out that helped us get out in front of what have, could have been become issues. And so having that, that group or accountable community or whatever you want to call it, uh, maybe call it an encouragement community. If accountable community is a little too scary, but people who are going to ask you, how are you doing? How's your heart? How's your relationship with God? I think that's a healthy thing.
0: By the way, our CPE should not have counted (laughs) 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 with our group group of guys doing the G Uh, I think we did more
1: harm than good, good, Jason. (laughs) Uh, For those that don't know, Jason and I went to seminary together and did our our hospital chaplaincy stuff together. So we,
0: with uh, another couple of good friends and uh, we had a great time.
1: We had a great time. We did learn a lot. We did learn a lot. It was actually really meaningful. And I actually draw on that experience quite a lot, as much as we made fun of it the whole time as well. So (laughs) anyway, I love it. Um, so the last one is really, I think, just a personal reflection one and you, lots of different ways to say it. But am I being honest with myself? I, you know, one of the things that happens when our heart starts to get off track is that we start telling ourselves untruths. Yeah. We start deceiving ourselves. We're really good at self-deception. We're really good at self-justification. I can give you a really legitimate reason for seeing some things that might not be the best why I, I worked out twice last week, so I should be able to eat, you know, a whole bag of candy this week or something, right? You can convince yourself of things if you're on your own and in your own head. And I'm a baseball guy, so for me it's I, I think of it in terms of am I keeping my eye on the ball? Am I paying attention to what's going on in my heart? And and is there any place where I'm explaining away things that I, I can just sense or feel or know are not healthy or good for me? In my my leadership, in my faith, in my relationship, uh, you know, in my marriage, um, and uh, in my is there anywhere where I'm saying to myself in some way, you'll be the exception. There won't be a consequence of, for for you on this one. You're going to be fine. This one time won't hurt. This second time won't hurt, etc. And it can be a slippery slope. So I think it's just, am I being honest with myself? And 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 I think asking that question, then taking some time to kind of even just take a notebook and start writing down some things, and go, "Am I being honest with myself about how these areas are going?" And maybe you are, and good job if you are. But I think asking that question can help us just to pause and reflect and get honest if we're if we're not.
0: Yeah, I mean we're the we're the hero of our own story. Sure, and we will provide any and all excuses to justify the decisions that we make and i think it's just being able to take a step back from that a little yeah. bit and say ah oh, wait a minute you know that's that's not good that's not healthy or even that's not you it's a reminder of who our identity yeah. in christ you know all the, of us yeah. not just leaders fall back to the old self that uh, always kind of fits pretty comfortably yep yeah. and there are all sorts of reasons for it. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I need some me time. i need to, busy, busy, busy. Those things are important, but it can also become an excuse yeah. to not be honest with yourself. And it's you're only hurting yourself. Yeah. Although, that, actually, that's not true. You may be hurting the people around you, as you yeah. said in the lead-in.
1: Yeah, and it might not have an immediate impact. But again, it's going to show up in the end if, if those things go unchecked. And I think, again, it's not to be in sort of uh, all doom and gloom, actually. I think it is as you said, there is when we come back to our true identity in Christ as God's dearly loved children. And that's like, we get to come back and be honest with ourselves about that part too. And uh, God is going to be at work in my life. I'm not perfect. This is an area of struggle. We tell our community about that, uh, the people we trust and say, Hey, can you help me with this or pray for me around this? All right. You know, I need your support because Like that's going to lead us back uh, towards life. And it's going to, I think, get out ahead. What we don't want is an engine failure, right? Um, Right. uh, You know, when I was living and working in San Antonio, Texas, I had a, um, I was a poor college ministry guy. And so I had this old Honda Civic hatchback that finally died and I had to find a new car, new to me. So I went looking in the used car market, found a private seller that sold me a Honda Accord and it looked great on the outside. It ran pretty good. And, uh, the price was too good to be true, but I didn't have a lot of money. So I bought it a week later, the engine failed. The timing chain had, had failed at some point along the way. And they did like a temporary fix to, to disguise the problem and, the heart failure was not something obvious on the outside. It, the engine blew up. I would never have known just looking at that car. And so I remember pushing the car into a, a local mechanic garage and he said, the engine's going to need to be replaced. And I handed him the keys and said, you keep it because the engine was going to cost more than the car was worth. Right. And we want to get out ahead of engine failure. We want to do the things that are going to protect our hearts and, and, you know, do the maintenance along the way by asking questions like this, and maybe you can come up with other ones. But you know, these here's four questions that we think can help you to just protect your heart from, from you know that, or protect yourself from heart level leadership failure. We don't want that, and uh, the church doesn't need that. We see enough of that out there, right? So there's a lot at stake for us as leaders. Leaders are held to a higher standard in Scripture. We just are, whether we want to be or not. Uh, there's a lot at stake in how we live and what ends up coming out of our heart will not only impact us but the people that we lead and serve in our churches and so pay attention to your heart
0: yeah and and here's where I find the life in this every time I go through this maybe i I ask those questions to myself and I get answers that I don't love in a yeah. couple of areas here's where the life is for me is it's an opportunity for me to dive back in deeper with God. And that always heals me. That always changes the trajectory. And it's like the clouds lift Yeah, once I get back into a deeper relationship with him. When I start seeking God because of my... I'm just reminded of my own inadequacies and failures. I don't know. I heard it somewhere. Repentance actually has this amazing impact on your life. so, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. And it's a good thing. It's an okay thing. And in fact, I think it's really important for us as leaders. And I think what the the other part of the good news is, I think for a lot of us, when we ask these questions, we'll find that we're actually doing, our hearts are actually doing pretty well. We need God's help. We need that consistency, but we're probably doing a lot of things right. But let's not take off our, our eye off the ball in the midst of a busy season or when we're cranking away. Uh, because there's a lot at stake. And so um, anyway, I hope that uh, you all out there, you're uh, moving forward. You got good things in place to help you in your leadership to, to cultivate uh, that closer connection to, to Christ in your own walk and to have that reflected in your leadership. And hopefully this conversation that we have every week uh, is contributing to that in some some helpful way.
0: Well thanks everyone for listening. Jesse, thanks for bringing that good word today and uh for just praying for all of you pastors out there and all the work you're doing as you're ramping up for Easter. And may God continue to bless you. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you, will you share it with your colleagues? Would really appreciate that. You can uh you know, give us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcast. It would it would certainly help spread the word and Until next time, it's just a reminder, ministry is hard. It is truly so much better when we do it together. All right, take care, everyone.